Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Man, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say this first, and I'm going to get into the message today. But man, worship this morning, I know both services already, has been out of this world. If you've appreciated just the songs and the theology behind the songs, I want you to give them a big round of applause. They did a great job this morning. It's interesting. Um, usually on Tuesdays, we talk through the music set, and usually Thursdays, I know exactly where we're going and you know how we're going to bridge the gap. Um, I didn't pay attention, obviously, because I didn't know we were doing the song, It As Well. And it, it, it occurred to me, and I don't know how many people, most of you probably know the story of Horatio Spadford, but if you don't, I'll give you the, the short version of it. Horatio Spadford was a man that lost everything in a fire, the Chicago fires. He lost all his business. He lost all his money. Everything that he had was tied up in this one thing. And so to try to get away from life and the craziness of life, he decides to send his family over to England on a vacation. And they were on a boat. On the way over there, they encountered rough seas, and the boat capsized, and Horatio lost his wife and he lost three of his kids. He had already lost one son to polio, so he lost almost everything. I think he had one, one child left. And so he's on the way on the boat, and he's on the way to England to go uh, get the bodies, the remains of the body. And as he's on the boat, uh, he gets to the very spot. He's traveling over where the boat sank, where his, he lost his family. And the captain comes down and says to Horatio, Horatio, this is the spot. I just, let's, let's take a moment and pray. And so after he gets done praying, the captain goes back up and he literally pens the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Can you imagine penning that song and all that confusion and all that anger and bitterness? And let's be real, every one of us in this room, after losing something, uh, you know, that many people or that much stuff, would have some frustration in our lives. And it made me think about the, the time that we're living in. And I don't know about you guys, and maybe everybody's more spiritual than I am. And if you are, you can give me the secrets. You can send it to Journey, of Bobby Smith at Journey Community.net. But I feel like we're living in the most confusing time of the 57, 56 years that I've lived on this planet. And, and, and there's confusion, and there's anger, and there's bitterness. I don't know who to believe. I don't know who not to believe. I hear this about COVID. I hear this about, you know, mask. I hear this about, and literally, the enemy has the church so in disarray that I'm not even sure. Like I said something the other day, I think it will. It's going to prevail. I think the church is going to come in and, and we're going to see unity, but I just don't see it right now because we are at odds with each other. Every post out there, it seems to be a church against a church or a church member against a church member, and they're opposing views on everything. And it made me think about a story in the Old Testament, and we're in this series called When We Pray. And, and, and the story is about a, a man by the name of Jehoshaphat. Now, I know a lot of you, the only Jehoshaphat you've ever heard of was in, when Yosemite Sam said it in the cartoons, Jumping Jehoshaphat. There's actually a Jehoshaphat in the Bible. He's a king, and it's about 900 B.C., and it's when the, the Israelites and Judah were actually two different kingdoms. Um, the Bible teaches that Jehoshaphat was a king. He was a good king. He, um, if you read the Bible, he wasn't perfect. He made some mistakes. Uh, he needed to be corrected a time or two, uh, but he was a good king. He was a good leader. But then he found himself in a mess, and I think he found himself in a mess a lot like we do. And, and, and it maybe even feels like over the last couple months or maybe years or a couple years, it feels like trouble is coming from every side sometimes, doesn't it? Like you get through one thing and then something else happens or you get through this and then there's a financial problem and it feels like trouble is coming from every direction. Well, that's exactly what Jehoshaphat goes through. 
And Jehoshaphat has been effective as his role of the king. He's been successful in the battlefield, so he's a good warrior. He has developed something similar to a system of public education like we see today. A lot of people relate public education back to King Jehoshaphat and how he did it. With the exception of this, they were teaching the law of God back in these schools. He also taught, uh, uh, set up benevolence ministry. He had places where people could go that were in need, where they were, you know, maybe they were, there was poverty or there was sickness. They can go to those things. He set up judges. A lot of our court system is based on what Jehoshaphat did. So he set up uh, judges in different areas so people could have fairness and wellness. So he set up all these things. But in the midst of that, being an honest man and all that, trouble came his way. And then a lot of times in our lives, don't we say this? Like, I'm doing all the right things. Why would trouble come my way? You ever felt like that? Like, I'm, do, I'm, I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm, 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 I'm tithing. Like, you know, and I've joked about this before. Like, I wish somebody would have read me the fine print on the contract 30 years ago when I asked Jesus to be my savior. Now, I, I would still have done it and I'm still enjoying his blessings. But I would have gone in it with a little bit more wide eye than just kind of like this nebulous, like, wow, this is great. Because trouble comes. Somebody say amen to that. And there's times that are tough. Now think about this, because this is what happens to him. We read about it in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you don't know where 2 Chronicles is, it's right after 1 Chronicles. So I hope that helps you. So it says this in verse 1. And after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them, some of the Munites came against Jehoshaphat for the battle. Now, have you ever read a scripture and you just go, oh, that's great. And you go, what did that really mean? Well, I want you to kind of understand what this is talking about. He's saying you have one tribe coming from this way wanting to battle you. You have another tribe coming this way wanting to battle you. And you have another tribe coming this way wanting to battle you. So it's three against one. I don't like those odds in any, any arena or any theater, but especially in a situation like this. So, so Jehoshaphat literally feels like Trouble is coming from every side. So I want you to, I'm going to read it again, and I want you with those mind, that, 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 that framework, understand it. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with some of the Munites came against Jehoshaphat for the battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar. Okay, so they're coming from every direction. It's not bad enough when one thing comes against you, Right? It's not bad enough like you have a financial problem or you have a work issue or you have this over there. But when three things or four things come against you from every angle, it's enough to make somebody quit, isn't it? And so in the world we live in, that's how a lot of us feel. A lot of us feel like, what's the use? I actually had a conversation with somebody this past week and said, I just don't know, they're, they're, they're ministry. They, they do what I do in another church. They, they turn their resignation in. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, it's, what's the use? People are still people. They argue with each other. They come against me. They come against the church. They, and I'm like, no, 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 there's a lot of you. But that's the way so many people feel right now. Have you ever felt like that? Don't raise your hand. But have you ever felt like it's trouble from every side? Now, today, what I want you to know is there's hope. And we can look at Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, and we can look at some of the things that he did and implemented in his life and in the nation of Israel. And I think we can apply those and I believe that when trouble comes, we'll understand how to, how to diagnose and go through and walk through the trouble times. Now, I want to give you six words today, okay? And this is going to be really quick. I'm not going to spend like 20 minutes on each one. So you're going to have to really kind of get, get ready, you know, strap your seatbelt on because we're going to go. The first word is this. I want you to write this down if you're a note taker. And if you're not, I want you to write this down because you're going to need this sometime. The first word is seek. 
At some point or another, if we're going to get past trouble, we need to seek God. And when I say seek God, I'm not talking about just kind of like this, that one little prayer, like that one little prayer we throw up and go, okay, I sought God and he hasn't done anything. I am talking a relentless approach and a relentless pursuit of God. It's that knock and keep on knocking, ask and keep on asking, right? It's like keep coming, persistent until he does something. And so what happens so many times in our lives is we try to throw out like a spitball, a spitball prayer and expect God to do everything. The greatest moves of God, the greatest moves of God in my life, the people that, I, that, that have been after amazing amounts of, I'm talking about strenuous, powerful, intense prayers. And it's one of those deals where we, we have to get to that point. Like, I'm talking about this. I'm talking about the prayers that pray, God, show me in me what needs to be changed. Man, nobody wants to pray that prayer, do they? Or how about this one? God, show me your will for my life. Show me what you want. Tell me what to do. Show me what I need to change. Lead me where I need to go. Man, when you start asking and praying those kind of prayers, you know what God does? He starts answering some of those prayers and makes us feel extremely uncomfortable. Years ago, I used to say that we still say it around journey, but it's the dangerous message of Jesus Christ. And you know, it is dangerous. You know why it's dangerous? It makes you change everything you do. The way you spend your money, the way you raise your kids, what you do with your time, it changes everything. And, and, and here's the deal. What, 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 anybody ever, anybody ever play hide and seek? I'm going somewhere with this, hide and seek. I was a master hide and seeker. Is that a word? No, I don't make a difference. I'll make them up. So I was a master hide and seeker. And so I, I, I was, I used to hide in the dryer. Okay, anybody else? Dryer? A little awkward at six, two, but when I was little, it was fine, right? So I, I hid in the dryer until my mom turned the dryer on one time. Changes everything, y'all. And it was the old days where they had the locking dryers, not the ones that pop open, you know, like. And so, but, but then I had kids. Now, I'm going to make some of you think a little bit when your kids were small. And for some, it's going to be very difficult. It was a long time ago. But one of the things that, I, that was interesting about hide and seek with my kids is they didn't get the whole hide part. So we would go, let's play hide and seek. And they would go, yeah. And I'd go, okay, daddy's going to shut his eyes. And you know, the, you know the drill. One would hide behind the couch. One would sit in the chair with a blanket over him. You saw the big lump right there. And they were giggling the whole time, right? Like, because you knew it. So you're like, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, I, here, you know, here I come. And as soon as you say, here I come, all three of my kids would pop up. Like, here I am, dad. I'm right here. And I'm like, y'all are missing the game. Or were they? Because maybe the best part of the game for them was being found. Maybe it was the father grabbing them and tickling them and having a good time. And I say that to say this, I'm not talking about just seeking God when things are easy. I'm not even just talking about when seeking God when things are tough. I'm talking about seeking God all the time. See, he's a God that wants to be sought after. The Bible says this. He says, if you seek him with your whole heart, you're going to find him. And I think sometimes we, we half-hearted chase after God, and then when trouble comes, instead of going closer to the Father and allowing him to find us, we go further away from the Father. And I'm going to encourage you today, if that's you, make sure you're going in the direction. We see it, we see it in the life of Jehoshaphat. What did he do? I'm going to read a big block of scripture, just kind of follow along with me. It says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to the Lord. There it is right there. You ever been like that? You've been afraid? You've been afraid, and instead of setting your face, you set your face away from him? 
So it says, send his face to the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. I'm going to talk about that in a second. And Judah assembled to help from, uh, help from the Lord, or seek help from the Lord. From all the cities in Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before a new court. And he said, O Lord, God our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the nations, all the kingdoms and nations, and in your hand are the power and the might, so that none is able to withstand you. Do you not, O God, drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people of Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it, and they have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we will stand before this house and before you for your name in this house and cry out to you in our afflictions, and you will hear and say, man, you want to talk about positive like, I know it's a desperate prayer. That's a desperate prayer right there, by the way. But he's saying, God, I know you're going to do something. I've watched you do it. You've promised it to Abraham. I'm a descendant of Abraham. You're going to do something in my life. Drop down to verse 11. He says, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possessions, which you have given to us inherit, to inherit. Verse 12, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against the great horde that is coming against you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You ever felt like that? I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you, God. I think we forgot that. I, I think we forgot that whole mentality. That when we don't know what to do, there's one that understands what we're going through. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, a high priest that has gone through everything that we go through. And in our lives, we have to seek after that. And, he, and here's one of the big truths. That was a prayer of desperation. When's the last time you prayed a prayer of desperation? When's the last time you just poured it all out? I can tell you this. The people that I would say that are giants in the faith, people that I've allowed to mentor me, speak into my life, go through life, these are people that don't, it's not the easy times of life. How many, it's easy to go through the easy times. How hard is it to go through the, show me somebody that beat a difficult situation. Show me somebody that prayed a difficult prayer in the midst of one of the most difficult seasons in their life through death or through a, a loss or through a job chair or whatever it is. Those are the people that I want to look at that they're seeking God, which leads me to the second thing. And it's this word transparency. And I love this word transparency. I don't think we understand this anymore. Um, there's a saying, if anybody, anybody ever fish, fish, nobody fishes, me fish. If you ever fish, there's an old saying that says this, how do you know when a fisherman's lying? Anytime he opens his mouth, there's a saying in the church. I don't know that it's a saying. It's actually something I've observed. You know how a Christian's not doing well? When they start using lots of King James words. It's when they, they want you to think that they're super spiritual. It's when the, their prayers are more like King James prayers with lots of these and thous and all that kind of stuff, trying to impress you or maybe divert you. See, there's, there comes a time in all of our lives where we have to be transparent. We have to be transparent with each other, but we have to be transparent with God. I was playing golf one time years ago, and um, I don't know how many people play golf, but uh, if you get in a sand trap, sometimes it's difficult to get out of a sand trap, right? And I was with this guy, and he, he hit it out of the sand trap, and when he hit it out of the sand trap, it rolled across. It was not you, Alan. It, it, it rolled across the green onto the other side and into the pond. It was down at Goshen. And then all of a sudden, I see this, this, this wedge, this club. He hits the club on the ground, and it spins over top of his head and goes in the pond behind him. And at this point, he has a ball in the water, and he has a brand-new club in, in the water over here. And he, he drops 
He drops a biggie, okay? He drops a, a four-letter word, a big one. And I am like dumbfounded. I think I just, we first started Journey and I was trying to be super spiritual with people like, so we're, we're praying before every hole and I mean, we're doing all that kind of stupid stuff, right? So we get to the, up to the green and he's standing up there and he goes, what? And I'm looking at him like, he's what? And I said, I can't believe like, like you said that. Like, I don't know that he goes like, hey, he goes, Jesus knew my heart. I might as well say it anyway. And I'm like, no, 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 not that transparent. <laughs> Transparency means we do away with the spiritual stuff. And I don't mean the bad spiritual stuff because there's some good. I mean the trying to act spiritual stuff. God, God, God already knows our heart. He, he knows what we're going through. He's waiting for us to cry out to him and say, listen, this is what's going on in my life. I, I, I don't know that everybody knows this, whether you're online or whatever. It's okay to be completely honest with God. He actually wants you to be that way. He already knows what's going on, but he wants, he wants to draw close to you in those moments where you're frustrated and tired and don't understand and confused. I love the way in verse nine, Jehoshaphat says this. He says, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before the house and before you for your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. Like he's like, I don't know what you're gonna do, God. I don't know how this situation is gonna play out, but whatever it does, I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna cry out to you. I'm gonna be transparent. I'm gonna allow you to do. And I believe that's one of the things with seeking God. When you're going in, trouble's coming from everything. It's not just seeking God, it's, it's being transparent. And then the third thing is this, it's the word surrender. And we don't like that word because we don't wanna be vulnerable to anybody in the world we live in anymore. We wanna be bigger and better than everybody else, but surrender. Seeking God involves giving all of ourselves at times and involves really sometimes personal sacrifice. And, and one of the things he says here, is actually a passive scripture. And if you've been around Journey any length of time, you know what we're getting ready to embark on in another two weeks. It's called the 930. It's when we get together as a church and we pray and we fast. And it's for moments like this. It's, and, and if you wanna be quite honest, like I'm surprised with all the turmoil that's going on in the world that there's not a, pro, a prophetic leader out there. And maybe, maybe today we started, I don't know, but there's not a prophetic leader going out there. Okay, Church world, it's time for us to fast. It's time for us to get serious about this whole God thing. And that's exactly what he says right here. And he says in verse three, then Jehoshaphat was afraid and he set his face to the Lord. And he said, proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came out to seek. He said, now stop, here's the deal. We, we, we are filled up with us. And if we wanna be filled up with God, we have to delete some stuff out of our lives. So he said, we're calling a fast. I just wonder, I mean, the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, it's about church. We, we gotta stop looking at the world to get things right. And we gotta start looking and trying to figure out how the church can get things right to take to the world. Somebody say amen to that. We want non-Christian people to act like Christian people. It's never gonna work. And Joseph says, we gotta call a fast. So some of you are going, what's a fast? Okay, it's anytime you give up something and you make room for God to do something or make room for God. And it looks all different ways. Some people can refrain from all food for a certain amount of days. I know people that have refrained from food or, you know, for a day. Um, that's, that's my kind. I like that one. But I know people that have three days. Um, I have several friends of mine that have done seven-day fasts where they don't do anything but drink water for seven days. I know two people in our church here, uh, one of our elders um, about 25, 30 years ago, went on a 40-day fast, like 40 days without, all he did was drink water. And I'm like, that's not this, that, no, mm -mm. 
Okay. But, or maybe this, maybe you just give up one meal. Like I would recommend if you've never fasted, if you've never, don't start out with a 40 day. Like you all tracking with me? Like do something easy, like give up pizza for a week or something or two weeks or, but I, I've, I've heard all kinds of, I, I know people and actually there's a friend of mine, I don't know if she, they're here today, they decided a week ago that they were fasting the 9.30, they were fasting social media, which I think is a fantastic thing. I, I would love to get rid of that so I can put more of God in my life because this is not leading me any closer to the Father. Somebody needs to say amen to that. But you give up something, so maybe you give up. Now, you don't give up like things that you don't like already. Like if you don't like liver, you don't go, I'm giving up liver for my fast. We already don't eat liver, right? but maybe it's something else or give up, you know, watching TV or whatever. And so in September, we're going to do that. But I challenge first service. I'm going to challenge you guys. I feel like God's leading me to fast this week. And I feel like just with some of the, the turmoil and the confusion that's going on in the world, and maybe it's not so much that they, I'll, I, I don't think the world's going to get clarity because I fast, but I can get clarity because I'm fasting. And so maybe that's something you want to do. And, and what it really, the word that I really want to share with you real quick is the word surrender. And, and that word surrender is important because I don't think we get it in the world that we live in. Surrendering looks like um, giving of ourselves. Like we we're, we're going to give our very, very best. It, it means it costs us something. It's a sacrifice. It's acknowledging in our lives. When we surrender, we're acknowledging that God is sovereign, which means he has our best interests in mind. Like sometimes we struggle with that, don't we? Like, God, I don't want to go that direction. Or, you know, another thing, surrender means I'm going I'm to stop fighting for my will and start allowing his will to take place or letting go of the need to um, be in control of the outcome. How many people, I said this to our, one of our staff members this past week, I am really good at change when I'm orchestrating the change. <laughs> hey guys, we're going to change the whole strategy of the church. They're like, what? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm making the change. I'm done. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> Surrender. The next word is this. Simple word. Hard to do. It's the word listen. It's hard to do. It's hard to just stop and listen. Seeking God involves listening. We've been talking about prayer for the last couple of years. You know prayer is not just talking. Prayer is listening. Prayer is being quiet. P prayer is taking that moment and just sitting in his presence going, okay, God, what is it you want me to do? Verse 13, listen to what it says here. Meanwhile, all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. I want to stop right there. It was the whole community that did this. Everybody was there, little kids. And, and what they were doing is they were passing down through generations culture and tradition and allowing them to go, oh, look what my father did, my father's father did. So meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of um, Benaiah, and uh, son of Jael, son of Bob, a Levite of the son of Asp. In the midst, you know, I'm telling you, the more confident I say it, the more you don't know I'm lying. So I'm just going to like, I'm just going to throw, like, I'm going to be caught. Like, and, 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 and he said to listen to all of Judah's inhabitants now uh, of King Joseph. Listen to this. Thus saith the Lord. Now that sounds like a really spiritual line right there, doesn't it? You know what it means? God's about to say something important. God's about to do something. All this listening and seeking and all that is really for this one moment that God would speak to us and that we would hear his voice. Here, here's what I've, I've learned. If you're listening, God's speaking. And so many times we don't hear God because we're not listening. I had a guy the other, 
a couple, three weeks ago, he walked up to me and we were talking about, and I'm amazed. I've been doing this a long time. I'm a senior pastor 17 years, but I've been in ministry for about 30. I'm amazed at how two people can sit in the same room and hear different things. Um, I, I got a, a, a fabulous email last night. It was one that brought me to tears. I was sitting out in my boat and I, I told my wife about this email and I'm looking, I'm reading it to her and I'm like, I can't even like, can't just ball. Cause it was like, you're so anointed. You're amazing. And I'm like, yes, finally, somebody's recognizing this. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But it was just a couple weeks ago that a guy said, this is the worst sermon I've ever heard in my life. And I literally walked off the stage going, that was one of the best sermons I've ever preached in my life. And I said, I made a comment to him, and I, I'd make it anybody. There's never a message that I preach that I don't get something out of it. And he goes, I wish I could say the same thing. So we had a healing service directly following. No. You know what I said to him? I said, you'll hear if you listen. And I said, I noticed the last couple of weeks you've been on your phone the whole time. And he's like, ooh, ooh. I was like, maybe if you put your phone down for a second and listen to what the word of God says. No, I want you to know this. I'm not a great speaker. I love Jesus and I proclaim his word every chance I get. But that's where the cool thing with the Holy Spirit is. He takes those words that are sometimes not great words and there'll be 500 different messages in this, in this service right here. 500 different messages because every one of us needs to hear something different. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He just takes, I literally said, a friend of mine from the Sherwood campus said, I'm praying for you. I said, all I want to do today is be a messenger. That's it. If you're listening, and, and how do you hear? Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I hear through sermons, I hear through sermons of people that I don't even agree with sometimes. Do you want to know the truth? I don't agree with me all the time. <laughs> Seriously, did you ever think about that? Like, I say some things sometimes and go, that was dumb. Like, why did you even, right? We, we, like, that was dumb. But but I, I, even theologically, things I don't agree with, I listen and I get it, a nugget of truth. You know what else? I get it in God's word. Uh, every time I read God's word, you know why? Because I'm listening. I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to do something in my life. I get it from my friends that I'm around. I get it from my, my coworkers. There's times where we're sitting in a meeting and I don't know an answer. I don't know how to, how to respond to something. And all of a sudden, one of them says, hey, this is what we should do or this is how you should handle this. And I go, yes, you're hearing from God. And then deep down inside, you know what I listen to the most? The Holy Spirit, which is in my life. If you're a believer, the Bible says you have a remnant of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And, and I'll explain this. When my pastor used to say this, you know in your knower. You ever have that decision and you just, I know what the answer is. And you go, I can't figure it out why. It's because you know and you know. It's the Holy Spirit doing that stuff. So listen, listen, listen. Here's the, here's the next one. I got two more. Trust. Seeking God involves making a decision to trust him. Anybody ever, um, anybody ever jump out of an airplane on purpose? So a couple years ago, my oldest daughter um, wanted me to take her skydiving. And I was the guy that was like, Perfectly good airplane, no reason to jump out, right? So I'm a big, I'm, I'm big, right? I'm, I'm 240, 6'2", six, 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 right? I'm big. So if y'all don't know what tandem is, tandem is when they strap you to somebody else. So they strap me to the guy, just, just uh, come here for a second, buddy. Hey, it's good to see you in church. He's a sixth grader. He just got to graduate to come up to big church. Give it up to Josiah. Don't, don't go anywhere. So he's embarrassed, and I apologize, right? So I'll do this. Come here. you got to come follow me. So turn around. So I'm a big boy, right? 
They strapped me to a guy that's Josiah's size. <laughs> and then he says, stand on my feet. Right, right. Oh, then he said, hey, do you want to have some fun? There's nothing about what I'm about to do that sounds like fun. But you know what I had to do? And he, yeah, you can go down. Shut his ears real quick. He smelled like weed. So here I'm sitting there, and there's this little scrawny dude like, hey, dude, you want to have some fun? I'm not with you. And so I feel him click me in. There's four, there's four, y'all, anybody ever done this? I asked the question why too. So I strap, and he, and he tightens me up, and now I'm feeling a little awkward. Close, close, right? Stand on my feet. Hey, you want to have fun? I said, yeah. Didn't tell me what fun looked like. The next thing I know, we are head first doing flips. I'm like, bruh, bruh. get to the bottom. And he goes, man, I'm sure glad you trusted me. I said, I didn't. I didn't have any choice. That's trust. And you know, that's what the father says with us. Just trust me. I know you don't know what's about to happen. I don't know. I, you know you know how it's going to work out. It may, it may take three turns before you get on a... But I'm telling you, trust me. Because I know what's best for you. And he doesn't smoke weed. <laughs> Listen to what... My wife is rolling her eyes over here. She's like, gosh, i got to go home with him. First 15. I'm almost done, guys. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed at the great horde, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Tomorrow go down against, and behold, they will come up, the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jerul. You will not need to fight the battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of your Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not, do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. And here's what I've learned. There's an unbreakable connection between trust and obedience. And if you're having a hard time with sins in your life and breaking those things, and I, I've heard some of you say, I have a hard time being obedient. No, you're not. It has nothing to do with obedience. It's a trust issue. You're having a hard time with trust. And until we totally give out into what God wants to do, we'll always struggle with obedience. We'll always struggle with the outcome. We'll always struggle with what's going on. There's a hymn. Y'all probably heard it. Trust and obey. And I think the next line is, there is no other way. And I agree with that. There is no other way. Which leads me to the last one. And it's this thing called worship. And it's, and I said this earlier in the service. I love, I love worship here at Journey. Anybody else besides me? It's great to see the diversity we have on the stage. They do an amazing job. Um, but if this is all the worship you have in a week, not good. Like if you need to have words, not good. If you have to have lights and smoke machines, not good. If you need to have Justin, as great a job as Justin does week after week with his team, if you need Justin to have a worship service, your life is miserable. 
you're not being what God wants you to be. Because worship is so much more than an hour and five minutes on Sunday mornings. And I said this, and, and, and Justin knows my heart. I love Justin, love him, love him. Like I love doing life with him. I love doing worship with him. I love doing church with him. But the best worship services I've ever been in, I've been the only one there. Now you think I'm crazy when you drive past me because I'm having a big one in my, in, my, in my truck or whatever, but they're the best ones. And they're, they're the ones that, it seems when the father comes down the most, when it's just me and him and I'm being transparent, I don't have to be Pastor Bobby in front of you guys. I could just be me. And I, I love the way, and there's such, a, there's such a vivid word picture here. In verse 18, it says, then Jehoshaphat, get this, you gotta get this. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all of Judah and its inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the Kothites and the Korites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. That first word picture, that first picture, let me read it again. Verse 18. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and Judah and all its inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord. Now, I don't know if you understand what's going on right here. They have trouble coming from every side, every, every direction, north, south, east to west. So he has them coming from the north. Now, if you're a military guy, you're thinking, I'm watching to see what my enemy is doing. I'm gonna watch their next move. I'm gonna see where the dust is. I'm gonna see where the next, you know, with the, the, the horse, the chariot. I'm gonna be watching where that's coming from. Jehoshaphat does something totally different, y'all. It's totally outside the norm. It says he buries his face in the ground before the Lord. He's not even looking at the enemy. He's not even paying attention what the enemy's doing. He is so in tune with God that he's going, God, whatever you want to do, whatever you, whatever you need to do in us, God, I'm not worried about my enemy. And here is what I think the tragedy in the church is right now. We have spent so much time watching the enemy that we're not even paying attention to what God's doing. We're watching the enemy allow us to argue about COVID. Listen, he's coming to the church. The Bible says he comes to seek, kill, and destroy, and he masquerades as an angel of the light. We can't even in the church figure out masks and no masks. And, and, all, and I'm not doing it because of you, because I, as much as I love you, as much as some people think, I'm doing it for me. So I walked around with a mask on today and I watched several people turn their nose up me as the pastor of this church because I had a mask on. Shame on you. Shame on you that we're so worried about a stupid mask when we should have our heads down to the gut and say, God, what do you want to do in our world? What are you going to do? How are you going to heal our world? Vaccinations and no vaccinations. Racial tension. We spend all our time looking at the enemy instead of our faces bow before the Father. Father, forgive us. Father, forgive us for being distracted. As Nehemiah said it, I have a wall to build. As Jehoshaphat did, he realized focusing in on the God that was going to win the battle was more important than seeing what the enemy was doing. I just wonder what would happen if the church 
literally fell on its face before a holy God and asked God what he wanted to do with us. Instead of posting something on Facebook about arguing with somebody, God, what do you want to do? I want you to bow your heads for a second. I don't know what this looks like in this service. I know what it looked like in the last service. But I'm literally asking for people to join me in this. I didn't come here to please you today. I didn't come here today to wax eloquent with words and wow people. I came here to first of all connect with a holy God. At some point or another today, share his heart. And I think, I think the God of the universe is grieved in the way that the church has handled certain things. If my people. Right now in this moment, I want to open up the front. And if you want to join with me, you may want to do it right where you're sitting. Just get on your knees right now. Just say, God, have that transparent conversation with him right now. Allow him to do a work in you. Allow him to do do a work in our church and a work in our world. I believe he's looking for people like Jehoshaphat. that are willing not to worry about what the world thinks of them or what enemies are coming next. Because once these enemies go away, there's going to be other sets of enemies that come. But he's looking for people that are willing to lay down their lives, to sacrifice, to make his name famous in everything we do. Right where you're at, up front, if you're down at Sherwood, you can make your way up front right now. God's just looking for people that are willing to be used, that are willing to stand in the gap. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.